0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit hearstranch.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to org.
2: To Let's eat in on Heritage Radio Net- Network. Good afternoon, I'm your host Kathy Arway, and uh, we're here at Roberta's as usual at uh, the home of Heritage Radio Network in Brooklyn. And uh, today I'm really excited because um, I have a guest on who is um, has written one of I think the the most important books in food. It's called Wild Fermentation. Came out about nine years ago, and he has recently come out with fantastic book called The Art of Fermentation. Um, we're joined here today with Sander Alex Katz. Hi.
1: Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you today.
2: Thanks so much for coming. It's it's really amazing. And I know uh, you're on a little trip to back to New York, where you came from, where, where you lived, were born, raised.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, it's, it's exciting uh, to be here.
2: So I'm glad I caught you right at the right time. So, um, you know, the art of fermentation is Let me just say, it is not what it is not. It is not fluff. (laughs) It's about, oh, 500 pages of of recipes, practical inspiration, wisdom, and, uh, you know, very, very uh, cross-multicultural references to fermentation techniques. And... uh, you might think that fermentation doesn't really have to do much with with stuff that you eat or maybe you don't think you like fermented fermented foods but as you um wisely point out in the intro uh mr katz uh it you know fermented food includes coffee the beans are fermented it includes uh wine and beer bread cheese all sorts of stuff
1: yeah i mean I'm sitting here uh you know watching the patrons of the pizzeria <laughs> and um you know thinking about the fact that uh, you know all bread is fermented, cheese is fermented, so you know you couldn't have pizza without without fermentation i mean by 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 some estimates, as much as one third of all of the food that human beings put into our mouths has been subjected to the transformative action of of microorganisms before we eat it um, and that's that's what fermentation is.
2: Uh, exactly and you talk about in this book in the intro about how it's sort of um it was once such a essential part of the household kitchen routine um fermenting foods yourself but it's largely out of our hands out of out of the average household these days
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i would say i I mean that's that's true of Food production in general. I mean, yeah, you know, h- historically, um, you know, I- everybody had their fingers in food production, and you know, today in the United States, uh, you know, less than one in a hundred people is involved is directly involved in um, you know a- agricultural food production, um, and so you know, food production has largely you know disappeared from the fabric of our lives and and communities, and and you know, I think that the good thing is that there there is a revival. You know, in the period of time, you know, when when I was growing up uh, in the second half of the 20th century, you know, we had pretty much, you know, said goodbye to the idea of, um, you know, regional food self-sufficiency and, and, and even, mm-hmm. you know, markets for local food at all. And there's a huge revival and, and you know, an in interest in at least becoming, you know, closer to the sources of our foods. And, um and I think that, you know, I mean, obviously people don't only eat the raw products of agriculture. People eat all of the things that you can turn the products of agriculture right. into. And, um, you know, and these are fermented foods. And, uh, you know, because they've you know, disappeared and, and they're far from our uh, you know awareness and simultaneously we've developed this, um, you know, cultural fear of bacteria, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people are intimidated by the, by the idea of trying to, uh, you know, ferment things at home. You know, what if I get the wrong bacteria growing? you know, how am I going to know? But, you know, really, um, you know, most fermented foods are, are extremely safe. And, um, you know, the, the f- fermentation has been used as a strategy for, uh, you know, safely preserving uh, uh, food for thousands of years. And it's not rocket science. And, right. you know, really like, you know, any of us, even people living in tiny, tiny kitchens, um, you know, can um, uh, ferment food uh, uh, themselves. I mean, even students in dorm rooms without kitchens, you know, can do certain types of, of fermentation, uh, you know, specifically fermenting vegetables, which doesn't require, uh, you know, any heat or uh, refrigeration. You whatsoever. just walk
2: away. <laughs> and that's what I love about it, too. You know, I find it, it's true what you're saying. Um, a lot of people are getting back to urban agriculture or just, you know, gardening wherever you are, um, suburbia, whatever. Um, and, you know, what do you do with this surplus? How do you preserve that freshness um, of, a, of a product that's going to go bad really quickly, and I fi- I find a lot of people um, going with canning, jamming, pickling, but fermentation I don't see too much of it happening these days, and maybe it's for those same fears or or, or what have you. But um, as you talk about, it's actually when you when you let things ferment, um, there's it's not only uh, smart to save up foods, but that it also creates uh, more benefits. Into, into your diet.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, what got me interested in fermentation in the first place was, um, you know, when I moved from New York City to rural t- Tennessee twenty years ago, I started keeping a garden, and uh, you know, I was such a naive urbanite that it came as a little bit of a surprise to me. That, um, you know, all of the cabbage was ready at the same time and all of the radishes were ready at the same time. So, you know, faced with this, uh, you know, practical dilemma, what do I do with all these vegetables? You know, I remembered how much I loved sauerkraut and I investigated how to make sauerkraut and I started making sauerkraut. but uh but yeah I mean many people maybe many people are um you know in, intimidated by fear and um you know my 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 greatest interest is uh you know in empowering people um you know with the knowledge and understanding um, you know, to, to take up this practice of fermentation. And actually, I think that fermenting vegetables, you know, is the, um, you know, easiest, quickest, most straightforward, um, you know, safest, uh, you know, process for most people to, you know, uh, stick their stick their toes in mm-hmm. um, uh, fermentation and just, just try it for the first time. You don't need any special equipment. You can just use a jar that's already sitting empty in your pantry, um, you know, f- to fill up a quart jar it takes about 2 pounds of vegetables you chop up the vegetables just lightly salt them to taste spend a couple of minutes squeezing the vegetables getting them nice and moist by bruising them and breaking down cell walls and then just stuffing them in the jar so that they get submerged and then waiting a couple of days a couple of weeks um, and uh, what I really like to do is taste it at frequent intervals, and then you get to familiarize yourself with a whole um, uh, you know, series of flavors that um, evolve uh, you know, as, as it matures.
2: What's your ideal? You made that sound so simple, by the way. Thank it is you. simple. It is, awesome. it is that
1: simple. <laughs> and actually, the one that I've been eating uh, at home, this, this woman in North Carolina turned me on to um, you know, an old Cherokee idea of um, uh, fermenting uh, ears of corn. Um, and then what I do now is I... I, I, I I with cu- the
2: kernels on well what oh, okay. i what
1: i'm doing is like cutting the kernels off mm-hmm. adding some um onion and garlic and salt and then um Squeezing out a little bit of the juice from the uh, uh, kernels, and it makes this like amazingly delicious corn relish. I just fermented for a few days because corn, because sweet corn is so sugary, um, it goes really quickly, uh, and it is just so so delicious. Oh, it has been my my, my favorite uh, summer ferment this year.
2: Wow, and that's an old Cherokee.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I think mostly um, in the Cherokee tradition, they would take whole ears of corn okay. and 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 preserve them in a brine.
2: Oh, that sounds so! Like, this summer, I've been trying to uh, pickle um, stems of the broccoli in the same manner I would anything like a lacto-ferment pickle that is, and because uh, I'm like, you know, this is a brassica; it tastes like cabbage. It tastes like kohlrabi robbie to me and shredding it up or something like that.
1: Yeah, is that yeah. okay? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean really you can you can apply this this process to, you know, any kind of vegetable you want. Um, I mean I've you know, I mean it doesn't mean every vegetable will turn out as well. I mean especially the the watery summer vegetables, you know, summer squash and cucumbers, they tend to get mushy uh, totally. um, uh, more quickly and this is because of um, uh, enzymes. I mean it's not that it's not that you can't have uh, results that you're not happy with. It's just that I mean it's intrinsically safe. You don't have to worry. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. So I, exp- I I encourage people to you know experiment with new vegetables in small batches. So that if you're not happy with the results, you know you haven't invested you know twenty five pounds of vegetables you know into into the batch that you're not happy with. <laughs> nice I want to talk about the word pickling because I think that there's a lot of um, um, uh, you know confusion about the word pickling. Um, so 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 pickling describes you know anything that is preserved um, uh, in. Acid, so you know most of the um, you know commercial pickles that you can go and buy in the supermarket basically are vegetables with hot vinegar poured over them in order to sterilize the vegetables and preserve them in the acidity of the vinegar. Um, the more traditional style of fermentation, uh, you know, which which really was dominant in most parts of the world, at least through the middle of the 20th century, was um, uh, uh, brining. Um, and, and really, what got me interested in fermentation was um, you know my love of sour pickles, um, uh, which, which are which are brined uh, you know cucumbers uh, what what in most of the country are known as kosher dills, but here in New York they're known as sour pickles or half sours if they're done with a little bit less salt and a little bit less time. But um, but 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 basically in um, in in, in, ferment, in fermented pickles, you know, we're putting it in a um, uh, in, in a salt water environment, a brine usually with garlic. And and dill and maybe some other spicing um, and the acidity develops from lactic acid bacteria uh, so it's lactic acid as opposed to acetic acid which is what the other uh, uh, type of pickles are and there's also hybrid uh, uh, styles of, of pickling but in both cases it's the acidity in one case the acidity from an earlier fermentation of the vinegar itself uh, you know, from wine or, or other alcoholic beverages um, uh, in the other case it's actually um, bacteria on the vegetables Fermenting lactic acid from the vegetables.
2: Thanks so much for clarifying that. Um, yeah, there is a big difference, and I, one of the things I, I like to th- say, like, helps uh, distinguish between those two styles is if you get a, um, pickles or kimchi or, or sauerkraut that is in the refrigerator section, then it's you know check the label, but um, it's has living uh, bacteria in it, and it was lacto fermented. But if it was in the you know uh, regular shelf that was cold packed cold fermented and then and there's some differences between because some sauerkrauts are then pasteurized which kills the uh, helpful bacteria and those are, are sometimes in a little packet or like plastic baggie in the refrigerator section, as opposed to ones in a jar that like should pop and, you know, smell very odiferous when you open them. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so I mean, I hear from people who are, you know, small scale commercial sauerkraut producers that, you know, sometimes when, 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 when people open the jars of live sauerkraut and, and, and pressure releases, you know, some people get freaked out <laughs> by that because, you know, we, you know, we, we have this, you know, idea that with canned foods, um, You know, if 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 you open a can and pressure releases, that 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 definitely can be a a sign of trouble. But in living fermented foods, actually, the bubbles, the accumulation of pressure, you know, that's a sign of life, and and Mm -hmm. that's how you know that your ferments are 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 alive. And and you know, I mean, these you know bacteria in these live bacterially fermented foods, um, you know, can be enormously beneficial to us. I hear from people all the time who have stories of how their you know chronic digestive problems. Their acid reflux, their constipation—you uh, know, other things have have, have been um, you know improved. And these foods really are probiotic. They help to replenish and diversify bacterial populations, uh, you know, in our gut that not only enable us to effectively digest food and assimilate nutrients, um, you know, but also play a huge role in our immune function and help to uh, you know protect us from disease.
2: Now, with so many allergies these days. Uh, w- do you think that this is, uh, and you've mentioned um, that eating uh, fermented foods has helped you and your health uh, greatly. Do you think that this is, um, there's so many hidden advantages to eating more fermented foods that maybe we're missing out on today? And, and you know, I, I see, like, so many different allergies these days. Um
1: well I mean I mean you know the rise of allergies and asthma and many other uh, you know mass public Blutant health free, problems yeah. um you know i, I mean it's it, 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 no one is really sure what the origins of these uh problems are and why they're suddenly arising but one of the theories you know explaining not only um, um, you know allergies and asthma but potentially obesity uh, potentially the rise of autism um you know basically has to do with um a, a crisis of our gut bacteria. I mean, we're, we're we're only beginning to understand how critical the bacteria in our bodies um, are. Um, but 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 one thing is becoming very very clear that it's bacteria in our gut that regulates a lot of the immune responses in in, in our bodies. Um, and there are all of these you know chemical exposures in our contemporary lives: the chlorine in our water, antibiotic drugs that you know we might take as individuals, but we are. All ingesting through uh, you know through uh, meat and milk and the their accumulation in the water. There's the antibacterial cleansing products, but you know like all of this you know daily chemical exposure amounts to a constant assault on the you know essential bacteria in our guts. So you know for us in the twentieth cent in the twenty first century, you know more than for people ever before in the past, uh, you know it's become essential to you know consciously replenish. And diversify these populations by eating foods with live bacterial cultures
2: very wise uh, would you mind if i read a little passage from no from your book I'm, the art I'm, of I'm, fermentation I'm, 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 uh, I, I just thought it tied in right there great um, yeah. uh, so this is in the intro but with respect with respect to food the vast majority of people are completely dependent for supply for survival upon a fragile global infrastructure of monoculture, synthetic chemicals, biotechnology, and transportation. Moving toward a more harmonious way of life and greater resilience requires our active participation. This means finding ways to become more aware of and connected with other forms of life that are around us and that constitute our food, plants and animals, as well as bacteria and fungi, and to the resources such as water, fuel, materials, tools, and transportation upon which we depend. For a culture to be strong and resilient, it must be a creative re- realm in which skills, information, and values are engaged and transmitted. Culture cannot thrive as a consumer paradise or a spectator sport. Daily life offers constant opportunities for participatory action. Seize them. I love that part. I just it makes me want to like pickle something like right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we're gonna have a quick little commercial interlude and we'll be right back with Sander Alex Katz.
1: You're listening to r by Peels. Hearst Ranch Grass Fed Beef, pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch Grass Fed Beef, free range, sustainably produced, humane.
0: Hearst Ranch Grass Fed Beef, the authentic flavor of the American West.
2: We're back with Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio. I'm your host, Kathy Airway, and today's guest is Sandra Alex Katz, author of this wonderful book, The Art of Fermentation, with a foreword by Michael Pollan. Um, So we were just talking about the different types of uh, fermentation techniques and just everyday ways you can can make use of vegetables, say if you're growing them right now in the summer and you're going to have a lot of XYZ. Um, At the end of harvest season But uh, I have a funny story Because I recently was bragging I guess to a friend About how I was making kimchi a lot And I brought a jar of kimchi To a bar uh, for these friends to try And popped it open Big, you know, poof And the whole bar stunk (laughs) Everyone who walked by was like Ooh, like holding their nose (laughs) I think it smells good
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the f- fermented foods as a group have, you know, strong flavors and strong yeah. aromas and you know, that's that's why people love them mm-hmm. and in some cases that's why people hate them. <laughs> I don't think that there <clears throat> I don't think that there's anybody who hates all fermented foods. I mean, I don't believe you could eat if you ate, if you hate all fermented foods. Yeah. Um <clears throat> but, be, but 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 the strong flavors, I mean, if you walk into, a, you know, a gourmet food store and look around and think about the nature of the foods that we, uh, you know, elevate onto the pedestal of gourmet foods, almost all of them are products of fermentation. So, um, you know, okay, we, th- we can think about cheese, Okay, so like you know, I go in for really, really ripe, really, really smelly, uh, stinky cheeses. Like that. That's just what I like, love to eat. And and in a way, like the stinkier it is, like the more delicious it is mm-hmm. to me. But I have learned that not everybody shares my passion. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, sometimes I'll bring home a you know a, <clears throat> a chunk of cheese and invite some friends over to share it with me and you know some of my friends will share this passion and and get really excited and other people walk into the room and they're like what died in here and (laughs) you know and they don't even want to be in the room never mind put it in their mouth so you know so a lot of these foods are foods that we would uh, you know call acquired tastes and not everybody uh, acquires them Um, or you know a a lot of it depends on your early exposure like you know I I meet people who just tell me categorically oh children hate uh, you know sauerkraut well I know for a fact that not all children hate sauerkraut because I loved sauerkraut and sour pickles as a kid and um you know, I watch. I, I watch my nephew. Um, you know, he's he's a big kid now. But you know, when when he would you know, before he could eat, chew it and eat it, like he would walk around like you know, just just sort of sucking the juice out of a pickle, <laughs> and just you know, learned to love that flavor when he was a young young um, right. a child. And um, and you know, around the world, there are these examples of, of fermented foods um, that that have become markers of uh, you know cultural identity because. People People who are raised within the culture learn to love and appreciate the food and, and its flavor. Um, and, and in some cases, these are just essential survival foods. But often, people you know who haven't been exposed to the flavors you know just find them somehow scary. These are edgy flavors.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, what I love about them is that I can use just a small amount of, say, kimchi or whatever to flavor and stretch a whole big, I don't know, pan of fried rice or something like that or an omelet, mince it up in there and just kind of. Pepper it with a little bit, and people are like, "Wow, what's in this?" And and, and this is yeah.
1: exactly how you know how this food has traditionally been used. Right. You know, people don't eat a huge mound of kimchi. You don't Pe- drink
2: a gallon of fish sauce. <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of there in the background, <laughs> right?
1: And, and it's a condiment. It's used mm-hmm. to you know embellish the you know sort of plainer, um, you know, often like drier uh, staple food, mm-hmm. and. Um, and, and and so, you know, like the, the strong flavors, you know, kind of serve a purpose. And when you use small amounts of them, you know, you sort of dilute the flavor in, mm-hmm. you know, in that mound of rice or, or whatever it is that you're eating with it.
2: So uh, I know your nickname is sanderkraut. Uh, what is one of your favorite foods to eat sauerkraut with or preparations with sauerkraut? Once you've made it, um,
1: I mean, I put sauerkraut on on all sorts of things. I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm like if I'm pressed for time, uh, you know, maybe I'll just like make a quesadilla. I'll, me- yeah. I'll melt some cheese, uh, you know, on a tortilla, mm-hmm. and then I'll take it off of the, the the heat, and then I'll just spread some sauerkraut on it. You know, sauerkraut on on a sandwich. Um, I like to eat sauerkraut just plain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, a nori roll with with sauerkraut in the middle. I mean, sauerkraut is like an, an an extraordinary versatile food. I mean, people even bake sauerkraut cakes and use sauerkraut as the acid element to react with baking soda to to rise a cake. I mean, I haven't done a lot of that. I mean, I'm mostly like my sourdough, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with with savory food rather than uh, you know as as a dessert (laughs) food. But um, you know, just to illustrate the um, um, uh, versatility uh, of it as a food. Wonderful. Um, And you know, I think that it's really. I mean, the 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 American tradition with with um, uh, sauerkraut has mostly been to can it to subject it to you know, high amounts of heat uh, in order to preserve it uh, in- indefinitely. Um, and I think it's really important to at least uh, to, uh, to eat at least some of it raw. But, you know, just because it's important to eat some of it raw doesn't mean that you can never cook it. I mean, mm-hmm. there are, you know, all of the culinary traditions that give us these fermented foods use these fermented foods in different ways in their in their cooking. So, you know, Korean culture has all these amazing, you know, kimchi soups and stews and and, and pancakes. Uh, you know, in Poland, they marinate meat and. Sauerkraut, and then stew it um, uh, right in the sauerkraut. um, You know, sauerkraut dumplings. Mm. um, You know, there, there, are just so many ways you you can use, uh, you can use these foods.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for pointing out some of them because, uh, you know. Spread on a hot dog doesn't have to be the only way.
1: (laughs) Although, I mean, it's awfully good that way, too. Um, But it's even better if it's, you know, sort of fresh living sauerkraut rather than, uh, you know, sauerkraut that has been, you know, destroyed by heat.
2: So I have to ask everyone this question on the show. But what would you say would be, and it doesn't have to include sauerkraut or whatever, um, what would you say would be the perfect date meal?
1: (laughs) Oh my god, the perfect date meal—that is—that is just so hard. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what—I what I've been really into um, uh, uh, making. I mean, I, like I—I I maintain a sourdough, and I hardly ever make bread. But what I make all the time are these savory sourdough pancakes. Ooh, yum! Um, and. Uh, and you know, I love to. What what I'll do is like take some of my sourdough starter, mix in a little bit more flour, maybe the night before, get 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 a, get a little vigorous by the okay. morning. Um, then I'll 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 grate up some raw vegetables, maybe like a turnip, a radish, a carrot, a sweet potato. Maybe I'll sauté some vegetables, some uh, you know onions or mm-hmm. shallots, some celery. Um, I'll mix that in. I'll grate a little cheese into it, and um and and usually I'll mix. It an egg in with it also right so savory um,
2: pancake like and
1: then yeah. uh, and then i make uh, i make pancakes and i mean i'm thinking about that because um uh yeah, i had a date last week and um and uh, served pancakes uh, uh like that for uh for dinner with um uh i mix some um uh yogurt and hot sauce uh together as a in little, the batter? As, as a little condiment oh, okay. to go on to go on top of it Yum. Um and uh, and and totally delicious with a little bit of kimchi on the side.
2: Yum! Yeah. That sounds great. Okay, yeah, so you got yogurt, you got uh the sourdough starter, the hot, the hot sauce. The hot sauce was fermented. Yeah, and the, kimchi. The, the the
1: kimchi on the side. Yeah, the the cheese that I grated into oh, it. Oh, yum! Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you sounds know, the, delicious and yeah.
2: very creative. Yeah,
1: but I mean, you know, in general, I I I, I figure that you know I want to. I want to, um, you know, share the food I really like to eat with someone who, who, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to show a good time to
2: right. And that sounds like a nice, quick, and simple one. You mix it up and spread it on the pan. It's a flip it over.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I'm it's all about, I'm all about, you know, um, um, you know, simple food.
2: Right. So I, I know that you're uh, traveling in New York this week, and you have a few upcoming events uh, tomorrow at Brooklyn Kitchen. There's a book signing and reading. And what else?
1: Um, uh, let's see. I'm doing a talk at the James Beard Foundation on Wednesday, August 1st. Uh, I'm doing a talk at the New York Tenement Museum on Thursday, August 2nd. Uh, and I'm doing a demonstration at Williams-Sonoma on Friday, August 3rd. And then I'll be in Westchester at the Stone Barn Center on Saturday, August 4th. And, um, and you know, and, and actually after this, I, I will really be traveling all over the U.S. in the next couple of months. And I would encourage people who are interested in um, seeing any of my workshops or presentations to check my website, which is wildfermentation.com. And I post all of my um, uh, all of my events as well as fermentation education that other people are doing um, uh, on my website.
2: Thank you so much. And I, I hope to make it to some of those. And I hope a lot of folks get to as well, especially a demo. That sounds fun. Um, one last question, if, if I may. And um, I I know this is probably just a matter of uh, personal preference or time of year, how hot it is. But um, whenever I make sauerkraut, I'm never quite sure when I want to stop the fermentation. Do you have an ideal number of weeks or days? That's your favorite
1: no and, and, and you really can't generalize because it's so temperature dependent I mean mm-hmm. in, in the hot summer like now it's completely different than if you make it in October or November as the temperatures are going down if you want to make it to store through the winter in a, an unheated cellar then you have to make it uh, you know in the in the autumn when the temperatures are, are getting cooler but you can certainly make it in the summer heat you just have to understand that the, that the process goes a lot faster and it's not appropriate to leave it for very long periods of time. What, what I like to do, and what I recommend that people who are trying this at home do, is just taste it at frequent intervals. Start it, start tasting it after a couple of days. But that's not the full potential of it. You know, taste a little bit more after a week. And then you get a sense, am I liking it more and more as the flavor gets sharper, more acidic, and more mature? Or would I prefer um, to stop it here, in which case you move it into the fermentation slowing device in your kitchen, which is the refrigerator? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm I'm pushing it to the edge of of, <laughs> of previous experiments. So, but I'll but I
1: mean I mean done. I I'm actually I yeah. just fin- I just dug out the end of a barrel a uh, 55 gallon wooden barrel that I put up in November. So it went from November, wow. November be- beginning of November to the end of July.
2: Okay, that's that's a good reference. But
1: you need point. you yeah. need an unheated cellar for that. You can't oh. do that in a in, in your apartment with heat. It's mm, just not, you know it'll just go too fast during the winter. Um, So you know, it's really it's all situational.
2: I have much to learn. Thank you so much for your for your wise advice and for this great book, which I'm sure will be so helpful to me and many folks getting back into the ritual of fermenting fermenting every day. Well, thank
1: you for having me on the show.
2: Great, and thanks everyone at Heritage. We'll see you again next week on Let's Eat In.